0: You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and I want to say thank you for everybody who has been a listener and a supporter. And if uh, you do listen and support, then... Boy, do I have a request from you. Uh, We've been nominated for a Share Care Award for our podcast. It was an episode that we did with Jake Olson. So we're a finalist for the Share Care Awards. And if you're able to, through June 30th, support the show. Go to the link in the show notes uh, in the description and click on that link and vote for the nasm cpt podcast it would be greatly appreciated now with that said let's move on into what uh by the way i'm proud of that i just want everybody to know i'm really proud of that and uh if you can support then that would be great thank you now moving on into the show uh last week we did uh we started a cpt7 review so kind of a audio version of a study guide so this is the Uh, NASM CPT 7 version of this show where we're going through each domain. There are six major domains in the study and the domains that the questions from the test are going to be taken from. And the first domain, we talked about two parts last week, and now this is the third and final part that we're going to be talking about this week. It's going to be on nutrition. So domain one, And this is, uh, Domain 1 has 15% of the weight of the final exam taken from this, and we are getting into the nutrition concept. So let's go ahead and get into the concepts of nutrition. Here we go with this, nutrition, talk about it. Well, it's a process of obtaining nutrients through food and or food products to support energy, that require that are required for cellular processes including growth repair maintenance of tissue reproduction digestive processes respiration all the things but we are not registered dietitians nor are we physicians so we have to be aware of what our role is so what can a cpt do well you as a certified personal trainer you can guide clients on the role of nutrition in regard to their health and in regard to exercise. You can help clients identify dietary choices and help them Um, in their process or look at what might be helping them and say, hey, that's, that's good. I like what you're doing here. Let's focus more on that. And then you might look at it and say, hey, this might be hindering your process. This might be keeping you from reaching some of the goals that you're trying to reach. So to be aware of those things. So we can get in on that as certified personal trainers. We can guide them toward more appropriate food choices and provide accountability. We can provide support. But if they have medical issues requiring dietary modification, you gotta send them out. Refer them out to a registered dietitian. Now, please note that the term registered dietitian is a legal term, and they went to school for a very long time. They have degrees in the field, they have 1,200 hours of uh, contact hours of study with in this context of nutrition far more than uh, a certification so this a uh, medical issues with diet refer them out the, it's not it's not our job it's not our job and don't take it on to be our job all right let's get into the basics of nutrition now you've heard people probably talk about are you counting your macros are you focusing on your macros well those refer to the macronutrients. The macronutrients are protein, carbohydrates, and fats. And macronutrients are energy-yielding nutrients. What does that mean? That means we get calories from those nutrients. So protein is four calories per gram. Carbohydrates, four calories per gram. Fat, nine calories per gram. And yes, alcohol is energy yielding, but not considered a macronutrient. We're going to put it in there, seven calories per gram. So let's go back over these. Protein and carbohydrate are both four calories per gram and fat is nine calories per gram. You should also be aware that alcohol has seven calories per gram. But let's talk a little bit more about protein so we'll get into protein and then we'll start breaking all of these macronutrients down a little bit more so protein what's its function well the goal the purpose the function of protein is it serves as a variety of important functions that in the body that include um, being able to synthesize and repair our cells and our tissue and the structures and it creates uh, supports other structures like collagen elastin and For the personal trainer, this one's a good one, muscle. So muscle repair, you guys are hitting those workouts, then you need to make sure you're getting those calories into your body uh, and those calories coming from protein to support that muscle repair. Well, the structure of protein. Structure of protein is, if you think about, we're gonna break this down to amino acids. So amino acids are tiny little structures. And there are 20 amino acids, we've got nine essential amino acids, and it means that cannot be synthesized by the body and it must be obtained through our diet. So these nine essential, and that's what it means essential is that we can't make it, so we have to get it from somewhere else through our diet. So these can be attained through meat and poultry and seafood and dairy and eggs. and like, These are going to be taken into our body. Uh, plant-based would be soy and hemp are good examples that, that bring these essential amino acids into our body. And then there's the non-essential that's 12 amino acids and they can be synthesized within the body. And what happens, these, these little amino acids, they start to create and pull together in what are called peptide bonds. And so they just start connecting to each other. And then you get these polypeptide bonds, which are multiple bonds of peptides, and they join together and they create these long chains that are called proteins. And that is the structure of protein. And with dietary protein, when you have something that is, you have incomplete or complete proteins. So an incomplete protein means it is lacking one or more of the essential amino acids. So it's incomplete. We need a a source so that we can get the, the full protein or the full amino acid spectrum. So incomplete protein means it's lacking one or more of the essential amino acids. A complete protein means that it's providing all of the essential amino acids proteins 4 calories per gram the RDA RDA the recommended daily allowance is looking at 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight and that's going to be somewhere in the range of a 10 to 35% of your Calorie intake is going to be through protein. Certainly, this changes and alters as your activity can change and alter. If you're looking to bodybuild or you're doing um, long endurance sports, that can change. But for our general purposes for this course, for CPT7, look at the RDA as being 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight, and that 10 to 35% of your total calories should be coming through proteins. All right. Let's move on to carbs or carbohydrates. Let's look at the function of carbohydrates. With the exception of fiber, right? So fiber is a carbohydrate, but we cannot break fiber down and use it for energy. So we move that over to the side. With the exception of fiber, carbohydrates yield 4 calories per gram, and they're important to fuel our body, especially when the body is going through physical activity. Now, the structure of carbohydrates, CHO, carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen chains, you can have simple sugars, which are called monosaccharides or disaccharides. Those are simple sugars. And then you get the complex carbohydrates, known as polysaccharides. And those are things like starches that can be found in whole grains, and they're broken down more slowly. And when they're broken down more slowly, then it can provide more sustained energy release throughout the day. But when they're simple carbohydrates, they go directly into the bloodstream and it immediately creates a spike in, um, in availability of glucose. A complex carbohydrate will slowly break down glucose molecules from it. So it's a slow feed into our bloodstream. All right. Then there's glycogen. So we have simple sugars we have complex carbohydrates. Now we have glycogen. Glycogen is a stored form of carbohydrate. The stored form of carbohydrate. Well, where do we store carbohydrates? We store them in our liver. I mean, if if anything wins the championship for being able to do a lot of things in our body, the liver is definitely it. it. In addition to all the things it does, it can store carbohydrates. But more importantly for us and what we do, we know that skeletal muscle can store carbohydrates. So, and when I say carbohydrates, specifically glucose and glucose in its stored form is called glycogen. So, liver glycogen stores, skeletal muscle glycogen stores. And then the final one that structure we talked about for a moment fiber. Um, And it's not used in our body for energy, but it is very important for our body. There's soluble and insoluble fibers. And sometimes we don't vary our diet or we do a particular uh, drink and we mix it into our water. Well, that's good, but that's water soluble. And so we need to make sure we have the array. We have water soluble and insoluble in our system for excellent um, gut health it's very important for our gut health all right dietary carbohydrates here we go glycemic index there is a glycemic index and there is a glycemic load so let's talk about glycemic index glycemic index measures how quickly a carb will raise an individual's glucose level when consumed on its own without any other things going on in there, so just the carbohydrates as compared to glucose. So glucose on a scale of this index, zero to 100, glucose is 100. That is blood sugar, right? That's the sugar that everything's broken down into glucose in the body. That's gonna spike it up to 100. Well, there are other things that we eat them. We take them in, in its own, on its own. When it's consumed on its own, all the carbohydrates, none of the other stuff, then it relates to how quickly that carbohydrate will spike this this index, this glycemic index. But it's not always the best thing because there's something called a glycemic load. And glycemic load is important because it takes into account the typical amounts that are eaten. So for instance, popcorn is a really high glycemic index, but one cup is, 30 calories, and it's going to be six grams of carbohydrate. So you can eat one cup of popcorn. It can have a high glycemic index, but the load that you're taking in is probably not going to be very much. Well, I don't know. When you think about movie theater, you don't just eat one cup of popcorn. So maybe carrots. We can also talk about carrots. Carrots might be a better example. We're the same thing. Uh, it has a high, glyce- relatively high glycemic index, but you're not going to sit down and eat bag after bag of, of carrots. And it has other things that can slow that process. So it slows the load. There you go for carbohydrates. Let's move into fats and a brief overview of fats, function structure and dietary uh, consideration. So here we go. The function of fat, it helps to provide energy. How much energy? Ah, good question. Energy, oh man, I didn't talk about uh, the carbohydrates and how many calories we're supposed to take in generally. Generally speaking, we got four calories per gram and it's considered that 45 to 65% of your total calories will come through carbohydrates. I'm sorry I jumped over that. We're going right back to it. Four calories per gram in carbs, and then 45 to 60% of total caloric intake comes from carbohydrates. That is the general recommended daily allowance. There are caveats. There are turns along this journey. That is not where we're going right now. So we're going to stick with... 45 to 65 percent of total calories so if you get the question on the test don't be like oh but that doesn't are we doing a ketogenic diet or are we focusing on type 2 diabetes how uh, what's the caveat no caveats here this is in general 45 to 60 percent of total calories coming from carbohydrates okay now moving on to fats what's the function of fat Well, it provides energy more energy in fact twice as much energy more than twice as much nine calories per gram in in fat so each gram of fat taken in broken down will produce nine calories and what else is its function well it helps to support fat soluble vitamins we'll talk about micronutrients and vitamins shortly but you have to have fats available in order for fat-soluble vitamins to do their job. So fats are important in, in their function for us. What's the structure? What is the structure of fats? Well, there's a structure of fat where we look at triglycerides. You may have heard this from, uh, uh, from Nana or Papa, or my my older people in my family, boy, they talk about triglycerides, they wanna know about those triglycerides. Well, triglycerides, you have a glycerol backbone with, well, how many glycerides in that chain of fatty acids? Three. Three fatty acid chains on a glycerol backbone. Well, then there's phospholipids, and you have this glycerol backbone And you have two fatty chains and then a phosphate molecule. You remember phosphate, phosphate like ATP, adenosine triphosphate. So we have a lot of phosphates in our body and how they're used, and they're used in fats, and phosphates can be stored onto a phospholipid, one phosphate and then two fatty acid chains on a glycerol backbone. And then there are sterols. Sterols are ring-like structures of carbon and hydrogen, And they are used and they're important for this purpose as a precursor for hormones in our body. And they're part of the cell membranes, the cell membrane structure. If you remember, there's a, a, a bilayer of fat around a cell membrane, then that is the sterols that help to create that membrane, part of that cell membrane. All right, dietary fats. Well, there's mono, unsaturated fats, heart healthy. Good for you. Monounsaturated fats, they're high in the Mediterranean diet. Polyunsaturated fats, those would be fats like omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3 has been known to be very healthy for your heart health and lowers triglycerides, reduces inflammation, increases cognitive function, and helps to reduce the risk of dementia. So those omega-3 fatty acids are very, very healthy for us. They can be found in fatty fish, walnuts, flax seeds, and chia seeds. And then they can be found in fortified dairy or grass-fed cows that produce dairy. And they're also found in leafy greens. Omega-6 fatty acids. Well, those are going to be essential as well for normal growth and development. And those are found in things like vegetable oils, nuts, and seeds in general. So, with your fats, recommended daily allowance of fat intake, the total number of calories to be taken in should be about 20 to 35% of your total caloric intake. 20 to 35% of your total caloric intake. Well, what about that? No, no, no. Just for our purposes right now, 20 to 35% of total caloric intake. Now, if you do want to know more about nutrition, then once you're done with your CPT7, then I do encourage you to go into the certified nutrition coach specialization that NASM has to offer. And that will break down this content a lot more. All right, let's talk about hydration briefly. Hydration, let's get your water on, guys. So hydration, we're looking at the importance of hydration. What's it for? How does it help us? Well, regulates our body temperature. And that's going to be very, very important for us, especially for outdoor athletes who are doing a lot of exercise. Even when it's colder, we are producing a lot of sweat. So we need that for our, uh, our system to function optimally. So regulates our body temperature. What else? Transports and distributes water-soluble nutrients. We talked about some uh, fiber, soluble and insoluble, but we also have water-soluble vitamins. Maintenance of our blood volume. So as we lose hydration, then our blood gets a little bit thicker. We want to increase that blood volume to keep it uh, normal within normal range. Lubrication of joints and membranes and synovial tissue. Helps with shock absorption and the removal of waste and toxins. So here we are for recommendations for fluid intake for men. You only at 15 and a half cups or 124 ounces, that's 3.7 liters per day. And then women in general, 11.5 cups, 92 ounces or 2.7 liters per day. Well, let's talk briefly about dehydration and why we we know hydration, we talked about why it's important, but What are things that we're trying to avoid by having that hydration? That's certainly dehydration and some of the risks that go along with that. So dehydration can increase your heart rate and it can lead to higher body temperatures, higher rate of perceived exertion as you are exercising or even non-exercising, just a daily task, maybe going up a flight of stairs, extra exertion if you're uh, dehydrated. It increases the use of muscle glycogen. It lowers blood volume, decreases cardiac output, decreases blood flow, and lowers the rate of perspiration. So that goes back to our temperature regulation. And exercise and certain conditions and circumstances such as being ill, uh, pregnancy, breastfeeding, warm weather, altitude, dietary increases in protein, and fiber can also influence a client's daily fluid recommendations. That altitude one throws you off and being in hot, dry weather can throw you off. Uh, I went hiking with my family and uh, we were in elevation and we're not used to being in elevation. And so I we went with my brother and he got super dehydrated. We didn't know he was di- dehydrated. He just, he couldn't move his hands right, couldn't open his hands up right. We took him to the hospital and they were like, oh, he's dehydrated. So give him some water. And we were like, well, that would have been cheaper if we knew that was the case. <laughs> so anyway, uh, hydration. Also, if you're in arid environments and it's hot, think about like uh, Arizona where NASM is based out of and um, Nevada, Those are really hot, arid places. You don't know you're sweating because it evaporates so quickly. So making sure that hydration is very important in those particular areas. What about health supplements? What are they? Well, health supplements, it's going to be considered a dietary supplement that's used to improve a component of well-being. And then you have performance supplements, also known as ergogenic aids. And those are dietary supplements that may enhance performance or body composition. They may be also they're referred to as ergo, ergogenic aids. And the, the one that I think about most would be creatine. So creatine is, it has proven in research after research to be an excellent ergogenic aid. All right, let's go a brief... And final review on our last slide here on micronutrients. So micronutrients are not an energy source, but they are highly important when it comes to regulating different metabolic processes that take place, and they also help in our energy metabolism. So we're going to talk about vitamins and minerals. Vitamins are organic compounds necessary for the normal growth and development and repair that takes place in your body. There's fat-soluble, ADEC, ADEC, A-D-E-K. So those are our fat-soluble vitamins. And then there are water-soluble vitamins. So there's a vitamin C and a large group of the B vitamins are water soluble vitamins, so we need to have both fat and we need to have our hydration uh, up in order for us to best utilize these vitamins, these organic compounds necessary for growth and development and repair. Then there are inorganic compounds known as minerals. And minerals are broken down into two categories, major and trace. So major minerals are found in larger quantities in the body Uh, And they are required in larger amounts in our diet. Things like calcium and phosphorus, sodium and magnesium, chloride and sulfur, these are considered to be major minerals. And then there are trace minerals. There's smaller amounts that are needed, amounts um, of things like zinc and iron and iodine, chromium, fluoride. Those are all minerals that we need in our body, but at trace amounts, at smaller amounts. And then there's something else you probably be aware of called phytonutrients. Not phyto the dog, phyto the plant. These are plant-based compounds. Phyto in Greek means plant, so they are plant compounds. And common examples of things like that would be resveratrol, keratoninoids, and flavonoids are things that would be found in our phytonutrients. Very good, very good. All right, y'all. So that is... Uh, a conclusion of our nutrition concepts that we're going over for our CPT seven review. So thank you so much for listening. We do have more domains to come. So we, this is the end of domain one for your CPT seven review. There are five more to go. And each of those domains are going to be broken up into several different episodes so that they're a little bit more palatable that you can take it in and do some short listens. Thank you so much for listening. And also, if uh, you haven't voted then I'm going to direct you back to vote for the NASM CPT podcast as we are a finalist for the Share Care Awards. So if you can show your support, go and vote. See the link in the show notes in the description. And with that being said, also while you're at it, if you could review the podcast. So like and subscribe, give it a review, put some stars up there, stars multiple. Then get those up there. We appreciate your feedback. Thank you so much. My name is Rick Ritchie. You can reach out to me at rick.ritchie at nasm.org, or you can reach out on Instagram where I'm most active at dr.rickritchie. Thanks so much. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.